0: Welcome to Covered in Glory After Dark. I sound much worse and much more hoarse than normal, so um, I'm going to be spending a lot of time clearing out, just like kind of Ronaldo, wandering around the attacking third while I make Brett cover the entire rest of the pitch. I came to New York City to see some friends uh, before the McGuire variant shows up and carelessly wipes all of us out. You know, and I when I lived in England, I actually tried to learn sign language because I have a moment just like this one. But whenever I asked, they just moved their wrist back and forth really quick. I still don't know why. Uh, Welcome to match week 15 of Covered in Glory. Um, I'm going to be asking our esteemed expert, Brett Coromina. Say hi, Brett.
1: Hello, everybody. Although I think you've made me, if you're Ronaldo in this analogy, and I have to cover the rest, rest of the pitch, does that make me Scott McTominay of his podcast right now? Cause I'm not going to be happy with that.
0: Uh, as long as you're not Fred though, if you were Fred, you would be a piece of every action, good and bad for 90 straight minutes. I'll take, Fre- I'll take Fred. On I, I think Fred's this an upgrade way.
1: over McTominay. So I'll take Fred on this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, Fred and uh, Rüdiger are just kind of separated by two continents. But I think <laughs> if Rüdiger grown up in Brazil, he would actually be Fred. Um, <laughs> So because of my voice, I'm going to ask a lot of questions to Brett today and clear out and let him educate you guys rather than me making you dumber. First one, uh, Michael Carrick, coached against two big six teams and a Champions League game, came away with seven out of nine points. So who is now the second greatest Manchester United manager in the Premier League era, and why is it Sir Alex Ferguson?
1: (laughs) I should have seen that one coming. No, but I mean – (laughs) Uh, United, you know, got points from those games, but obviously soccer is like a notoriously fluky sport. Goals are random. um, In long-term performance, you know, things usually level out. Uh, In all of those matches, they weren't very good. Against Chelsea in particular, they got extremely lucky that Jorginho basically punted the ball to start a break, a two-on-o break. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, Carrick was clearly benefiting from luck. Uh, there was at least like a clear semblance of a plan versus Chelsea, which was, you know, weird to see from United after the, uh, OGS era where they just jammed the midfield. They put Sancho like where he's actually good on the right wing. Um, you know, and they basically were looking to just jam up the game and counterattack and try to get lucky. And that's exactly what happened. So, I mean, I think that was better, but like, as far as like Carrick being some brilliant genius that we just uncovered eh, that's not happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're about to get into this week's Chelsea matchup, and uh, you'll be shocked to have some thoughts on it. <laughs> while we're talking the Manchester United-Chelsea games, it's just like, all right, Carrot got results, seven out of nine. I'm i I'm joking. I mean, it is really a, a great job for a caretaker to come out with that point and this weird transition time while their new manager was getting his uh, work permit. But, like, watching them against Chelsea, it was like they were a billion-dollar version of Burnley. They just played as far back <laughs> as possible, tried to occasionally counter – And then, as you said, Jorginho made a mistake, but it's just like, yes, what would it look like if Burnley had all the resources in the world? And now we have our answer.
1: We do. It's Uh, a Scott McTominay, Fred, uh, Nemanja Matic midfield. That was really exciting stuff out there.
0: Oh yeah. I know you loved it. (laughs) My text messages prove it. Uh, all right. So now we got that out of the way, let's jump into match week 15. Uh, first game we're going to talk about is West Ham versus Chelsea. West Ham is fourth in the table right now, 24 points. Chelsea is still top of the table, um, maybe for the last week. I'm about to get into that, at 33 points. The game is Saturday at 7.30 a.m., which is the lunchtime kickoff over in the U.K. West Ham is plus 380. The draw is plus 260. Chelsea is minus 130. If you want to take the spread... At uh, West Ham, getting a, goal, a half a goal, they move up to plus 115, and Chelsea stays at minus 130. So uh, Chelsea played midweek this week and looked absolutely terrible. Uh, they had zero corners against Watford, somehow won the game 2-1, but it was not because of their quality whatsoever. They gave up 14 shots. They only had eight of their own. And there's a lot of blame to go around. Um Injuries obviously stack up or stacking up for Chelsea right now. Um, you know, heading into December, that's a huge concern. They lineup was had one giant hole in it. uh, Saul's a lost call. So Saul was so dreadful. The Chelsea fans are actually now talking about whether we should recall Connor Gallagher. I hope they don't. I think he's gonna play for us for the next 10 years and the development that he's getting at Crystal Palace right now is is invaluable for that next decade. We're going to see him all that time. We can we can do without him for one more spring, and if he came back, he's just not going to get the same minutes. Uh, we have two of the five final or two of the five top vote getters in the recent Ballon d'Or playing in the two slots that he would be competing for. He's the future of the team, but he would be depth right now, and he, we don't need him to be depth. We need him to continue to dominate and take points off the rest of the league. Uh, but look. I'm really spooked by what I saw. They're missing Kova and uh, Conte's energy in the middle of the pitch. I can absolutely see this being their last match day at the top of the table. So if I have to make a betting option for this particular game, I'm going to actually take them to drop points and take the West Ham plus a half a goal at uh, plus 115.
1: Well, you and I are on the same page, man. Um, I think we're seeing the same thing. Salo was dreadful. Uh, anytime. You know, I mean, they they have four really good midfielders and they only really play two at a time, right? But when they get to that point, and he was so bad, they had to sub him off at half. But thankfully, Kovacic is coming back. And that's he is, as much as I hate praising Chelsea players because I'm doing it in front of you, uh, he is a dude that I I respect. I when you look at the numbers, he does so many things that help a team function very well. Um, getting him back will be huge. Ruben Loftus Cheek has been surprisingly great um, for them in that in that part time role. And then obviously Evan contact coming back. So you know I think they're going to be okay. The Chillwell thing, obviously, uh, I think is actually going to be the probably the injury that haunts them the most. Um, I'm not a big Marcus Alonso fan. I apologize for, you know, talking trash about one of your players, but chill is basically does what Alonso does in the attacking half, but he does a lot of moving the ball up the field and like defensive stuff too. Um, and they don't really have anybody that they can slide up that left back role. That's like a natural fit other than Marcus Alonso. So I'm curious to see how that plays out, um, with so many matches. And I think it's going to really like their attacking output has already kind of like, hung on by a thread as far as like great teams go. Um, so taking away chill playing a tired Alonzo all the time, you know, turmoil in the midfield. Like I'm with you, man. I think the draw looks really appealing. Um, you know, West Ham is, is we've talked about the tiers of the premier league and other podcasts. West Ham is clearly below that Chelsea tier right behind city and Liverpool. Um, but they're good. Like West Ham's good. And you know, they're, uh, Chelsea basically holds teams to 0.89 non-penalty expected goals per 90. So basically they allow, um, in open play, they allow less than a goal's worth of chances each match. You know, West Ham is not that far behind. They allow 1.14 um, non-penalty xG per 90. It's a pretty good mark for a really solid team. They're at home. It's a short week. David Moyes has been really great about rotating his squad. They have pretty much very replaceable depth. So, to me, that draw looks pretty good at plus 250. I think that's where I'm going to stick my money this week.
0: Yeah, I, I hope you're wrong, but I think you're right. But I will say, like, I came on a little bit doom and gloom, uh, but Tuchel called it the worst performance, or one of the worst performances of his time as manager, and they still came away with all three points. So, it's, uh, it's a blessing to root for a team that even when they're bad, they're still good enough to squeeze out a victory. Against, what? Uh, against In terms Watford, of-
1: let's put that caveat against Watford.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Still top of the table. I get to say it for at least one more week, so I might say it five more times. (laughs) Um, In in terms of which prop I'm going to take, both teams to score, the no is minus 120. So I think there's two paths this game can take. Uh, One, it's a lunchtime kickoff, and there's a lot of injury. I've already told you I'm worried about Chelsea's energy in this game. So they could come out and be listless, and they might get shut out. But or they could come back, really look to respond to the the terrible midweek performance, uh, prove it's a blip and proving anything for Tuchel involves a clean sheet. So you're covered on either of those scenarios by taking both teams to score no in minus 120.
1: Yeah, I mean, mine's kind of in a similar vein uh, that that over under the under of two, two and a half goals at plus one Oh five looks pretty darn good. Um, you know, West Ham are not a team that dictates the action. You know, David Moyes is pretty notorious for, you know, kind of being that old school, stay compact, like defending your own third. Um, and, you know, Chelsea play a pretty controlling, slower style. Um, and West Ham's going to be happy to give them the ball. And so if they, you know, can't break West Ham down. It's hard to see Chelsea's range of goals against a really solid West Ham team being too far above one. And then, you know, Chelsea's ability to control the game and their defensive prowess, it makes West Ham's probably the top of West Ham's range one goal. Um, so I like really like that that under of two, two and a half.
0: All right. So I don't have as much to say about the non-Chelsea performances midweek. So get ready, Brett. It is going to be your show. Let's go. Uh, Fred's Fred's ready, baby. (laughs) All action, Fred. He's definitely ready. Uh, So second game, Wolves at eighth in the table, 21 points, versus Liverpool, third, 31 points, Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, Wolves are plus 700. The draw is plus 390. Liverpool is minus 255. Uh, the spread at one and a half goals, Wolves is minus 135. Liverpool is plus 120. Uh, so you said it best last week. Uh, There's not, not sending these lines high enough. And until they do, this is going to continue to be an easy pick for me. They score every single, Liverpool scores every way imaginable counters, crosses, driving at the back line, tight spaces, set pieces. It doesn't matter right now. They're like a kung fu master who's proficient at every single style. So until they adjust this up, I'm taking that spread number and uh, give me them winning by at least two goals at plus 120.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, a true sign of professionalism. I've still yet to look up the year that the Patriots had Randy Moss and just blew teams out and blew spread out of the water. But it definitely, there is a lot of shades of that. Um, And there's a really interesting model out there. It's called the Davies model. And basically for the short abridged version of what it is, is it essentially, it's a soccer model that kind of adds up everything that players can do in possession to increase the chance of a goal and assigns a value. And like all soccer models, it passes what they jokingly call the messy test when you put the model in place. If Messi's at the top, you're doing something right. Um, And so it it definitely, you know, it's not like some out there thing, but it measures, it's, it's supposed to be a way to measure overall contribution. So Liverpool per the Davies model have four of the top attackers in the Premier League. They're going four for four. One is Asala. uh, Two is Mane. Three is Yota. Diego Yota or Jota. Uh, that's going to be another pronunciation that's going on my list, um, and then the fourth is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, thank you for that very easily pronounceable name. Um, and so, you know, you can just see that. Hey, hey Brett, who's fifth, who's fifth on that list? Oh, uh, and this is not this is not placating him. Just so the audience knows, fifth on that list is soon to be Chelsea legend Connor Gallagher. Um <laughs> Oh, so it, it passes
0: the Gallagher test. I don't know why they're still calling it the yeah, Messi test. That,
1: you know, I mean, especially since he's on his way out, you might as well just rename that for all the soccer model.
0: <laughs> Anybody doing soccer modeling, if Connor
1: Gallagher is not in your top five, it sucks. Just throw it out.
0: <laughs> and w- I won't read it.
1: I know that much. So, but the only the only hesitation I have about taking Liverpool with the spread is just that the Wolves play a back three. They're pretty solid at the back and. Liverpool's midfield is going to be up in the air. Um, you know, Thiago's not a guy that you can push and try to play every match. James Milliner is just coming back from injury. Henderson has started the last couple of matches. He's just come back from injury. Now we is still out. So like they have some issues there and that midfield uh, serves a really important purpose, even though they typically don't have Henderson like matches like Henderson did against Everton and that they free up, Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander Arnold to get into the final third and do their really good attacking stuff with that front three. Um, So I think some squad rotation could make this a little bit harder for them to cover that spread. So for me, I'm going to be a little more conservative. I think they're going to win that minus two thirty-five for the Liverpool money line. Seems like the best place to stick your money. Um, And, you know, to go along with it, I'm going with the clean sheet again for Liverpool. As we'll get into in my five pine pickoff, it was the only thing I got right, <laughs> um, and and part of it is talking about that Davies model. Um, Roman Sais, who is uh, the Wolves' left center back, is their highest rated player per the Davies model. <laughs> That's not a good sign. <laughs> I don't think we need to be really elaborate more. But if a left center back is doing the most uh, as far as creating and contributing towards goal contributions. Definitely not a good thing. And honestly, their attack just isn't that good. You know, Adama Traore yeah. is really good at doing things like getting fouled and getting the ball into the final third and dribbling past people, only to then launch a launch a cross into the stands, a uh, shot to squib that rolls softly to the goalkeeper. Um, Raul Jimenez, who had that really devastating uh, skull fracture last year, is not only coming back from that, He's also on the upward end of the age curve for a striker. He's 30 years old. He really is doing more as far as the buildup play and everybody else. They have Daniel Potens, Trincao, those guys just aren't goal scorers. And and that's really what the wolves miss. So I think taking Liverpool with a clean sheet, especially if they start a midfield that like, you know, doesn't include like an Academy random, like Tyler Morton seems like the best play just because wolves attack is slowed down. But with wolves at home, With the three at the back and the the way they play, I'm still leery about taking a spread with it, but I do like the money line and I do like the clean sheet.
0: Cool. Uh, My prop is completely in the face of your expertise, which means it's sure to lose, but I did like the odds. Uh, As long as they start kind of three of the four people that you mentioned uh, from the Gallagher test, uh, (laughs) as long as they have at least Trent Alexander, Arnold, or Jota, um, or obviously Mane or Mosala, as long as three of those four guys start, I'm taking them over three and a half goals because you get all the way up to plus 475. They've done it the last two games. Not sure it's sustainable, but if I'm getting almost five to one and the way they're playing right now, you know, not going to be a big bet I would place, but I, I certainly like the, uh, the upside there. Uh, so let's move to our third game. Uh, Watford is 17th, and they are on 13 points. They are versus Man City this week, second at 32 points. This is Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Watford is plus 1,500. The draw is plus 650. Man City is minus 525. The spread is really high for this one. uh, At Giving Watford two and a half goals, they are minus 170. Manchester City is plus 150. Uh, so before kind of dive into this game, because honestly, I don't have that much to say about it. I don't like having to take um, Manchester City to win by three goals. So I'm going to take Manchester City just to win at minus 525. And then I'm going to look to parlay it on the money line with a couple of other favorites later in the 5 point pickoff. Uh, but I did want to look briefly back. So Jack Grealish, who moves over from his boyhood club at Ashton Villa. Uh, he moves over to Manchester City in um, a mega money move over the summer. This is his first time going back, and he starts out on the bench. So, to you, was this fragile body or fragile ego?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> if this was in a courtroom, we'd say that you're leading because uh, we know where you want this <laughs> to go. But <laughs> I mean, I definitely think with you know, Grealish was just coming back from the injury. Um, it's it's just such a crazy stretch for the Premier League, like. The amount of load that goes on these athletes during this time as someone who used to work with athletes is like insane. Um, I would think, you know, maybe he'd be a little fired up to play against his boyhood club. You know, one of those things to make good is the prodigal son returns home. But I can also see the way that Pep does things. He's going to rotate his squad, not so much, you know, uh, in game with a lot of subs, but like game to game. City's got a bunch of important matches coming up. Even after the Watford one, they still have one more champions league match. And then obviously the December stretch in the premier league is still crazy where they're going to have another weekend, midweek weekend stretch that comes up. Um, and that's all before the new year. So I get why you rotated them out. I don't know how much say Grealish has in playing, but I'm going to turn it over for you. Cause I know that you have an opinion on this. That is quite strong. We're going to get a spicy take. No, right
0: here. I, no 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 no. I I like him uh despite playing for Manchester City, he's doing well for the national team. He's a very fun player to watch, very creative, very direct, very forward. So, I was just I was more messing with him and um I would say to you, you need to read one less soccer report and read one more book on how to troll players, <laughs> troll people like a little less time on analytics, a little more time on Reddit would do you good, pal. <laughs> well, look, uh, hey, I'm
1: trying to get players like Aaron Ramsdale to sponsor our podcast here. All right. I'm trying to fight the good fight for, for them to come on this pod and be like, yeah, I'm going to throw some money at these guys because <laughs> they mentioned my name in a positive uh, way.
0: Oh, my God. The Aaron Ramsdale hour, hour. Count me in. Uh, all right. So that's my take on the game. Uh, what are you thinking for this one, Brett? Uh, I'm actually going to go for it. I I mean, I
1: think despite the fact that Watford hung tough against, uh, Chelsea, um, under Claudio Ranieri, they've given up the third highest uh, expected goal total in the entire league. And that's since the middle of October, they just don't have good defensive personnel and city is not a team. And this is the crazy part about city is when they, when they, if they rotate their squad guys like Raheem Sterling Riyad Mahrez, Bernardo Sobel, they'll go to the bench and then Jack Grealish and Phil Foden are going to come out of the pitch in place of them. That's nuts. Like that's crazy. Um, you know, so Watford, if they rotate, I mean, you're going from Cucho Hernandez to who knows. Um, so, I mean, you know, there just isn't the same equivalency there and it makes city basically going into these midweek matches have such a a great advantage on top of the fact that they're just already better. Um, So I'm going to take a shot at that minus two spread at minus 115. I, I just think this could be an absolute blowout. I still think Watford is just not very good. And city is one of the three best teams in the world. Um, And I mean, it's the same thing with city. They're so good at possessing and suffocating opponents. They've given up some goals last game but most of them were just miracle goals. You know, Lanzini's like last gas, last minute thing, against West Ham, you know, it's more of a fluke than something that's going to be sustainable. Um, So I could see this just being another runaway thing. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to take that spread and live a little dangerously.
0: Yeah. For uh, people that are kind of new to the Premier League or, or don't spend as much time thinking about it as you and I, which is almost everybody, uh, The December fixtures that we keep referring to, I think Chelsea's playing nine games this month when they would commonly play something closer to like six or seven. Uh, They just kind of they cluster a lot of them together to get through all 38 games in the allotted time into this December time frame. And we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll speak a lot about it during the month of December. but it is an amazing opportunity for cities like uh, for teams like City and Chelsea and Liverpool who have tremendous resources to not just spend on their first eleven. But to spend on the entire, you know, 20, 25 players to really separate themselves. And they're more used to playing midweek fixtures because they've been playing in Europe the entire time. So when you can rotate guys in, you're used to playing every three days instead of once a week. And then you're going against, you know, the teams like Watford. It's a great opportunity to separate yourself. And the table really, really, really starts to take its shape, uh, from here to, the, to a couple of days after the new year. Uh, in terms of my prop for this week, I, I know it's a little surprising since I took the money line, but I, I kind of just like this. This is this is a fun bet. It's more or less betting on Watford to score first, but it's a way to get instead of plus 380, plus 650. I'm taking Man City to win from behind. So if Watford does not score Ooh. first, they have no shot whatsoever. I have no shot whatsoever of cashing this bet because you know Watford scores twice, you know, and I Manchester City scored three. I just don't see that happening. I don't see Watford scoring twice. But Watford, as you said, did hang tough with Chelsea. They've hung, they've hung tough with a lot of really good clubs. And if they can nick a goal in the first you know, 20, 30 minutes of the game, probably gets the run of play, I still think Man City is going to win. And now I'm getting all the way up to, what, 650 for them to come back and win 2-1, 3-1 or anything like that. So it's gambling. I know it. But I like the odds and I could see that scenario playing out, you know, one out of six, seven times. Well, you
1: know, wait, what was that? Oh, you're gonna put all five pints in the five point pickup on that? Oh, okay, yeah, perfect. That's great because I'm getting my ass beaten that anyways.
0: No, I, I, no, I mean, not until I drink all the beers you owe me and I'm drunk enough to do that. I then I might, but uh, right now sober, Toby's. Oh, well, you're only gonna hear a knock at that, the door then
1: pretty soon. I'm just gonna order you room service beers so you can put those that, all five pints on that line right there. I, I, would, I could, I would appreciate that. Mine's gonna be a little different. Um, I'm gonna go. If, and again, this is player dependent, but I'm gonna go with the Marez at plus one fifty to score anytime. Um, I, I don't have any data to back this up, but Marez is just kind of a player that likes to beat up on the minnows. Uh, he averages the most shots on City. He doesn't get to the best shooting locations, but he takes the most shots. He takes four point three uh, six shots per ninety. He's going to be gunning against <laughs> against Watford because they're just going to sit back. So to me, getting above even money on that dude uh, if he does start. Um, I think is a great bet because he is going to be launched and he's he's one of the few city players that really dominates the ball. He'll sit on the right wing and kind of bring it in from the touchline, controls a lot of the action, so the ball will be at his feet a lot. just seems like a pretty good play for me.
0: Uh, let us take a quick break and we'll be back with our last two games that we're going to talk about this week. Uh, welcome back. Our fourth game we're going to talk about this week is Manchester United versus Crystal Palace and our Lord and Savior, Connor Gallagher. Manchester United is seventh at 21 points. Crystal Palace is 11th at 16 points. Game is at Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern. Manchester United is minus 180. The draw is plus 300. Crystal Palace is plus 500. The spread, uh, giving Manchester United a half a goal. They stay right there at minus one eighty. Crystal Palace moves up to plus one fifty. If you want them to win or draw, uh, so obviously I have a soft spot for Crystal Palace because of one particular player. Uh, they played him. They played Connor a little bit deeper in this last game. They put him in a little bit you know different role. I liked it. He was playing kind of. Uh, he started a little bit more lying deep, but then he moved into more of a box to box role. I still thought very calm, influential. Uh, but you know what. New manager bounce. I am not betting against it. So I'm going to take Manchester United minus 180. Um, and I guess, Brett, my question for you before you give your, your pick is what should we all expect from Ralph Ragnick?
1: Well, he is kind of known as the godfather of gang impressing. And uh, for those who are new to soccer, essentially, you know, you have this idea that when uh, a team gives up the ball, instead of retreating back into a defensive shell, Ragnick is is kind of one of the first, uh, more foremost managers that decided that right when you give it up is actually when you should be the most aggressive, pressing to win it back. It creates turnovers in the other team's defensive third, creates easy chances. There's a lot of data that suggests that a lot of goals are scored within the first four seconds of a turnover in possession. Um, It allows you to kind of pin teams back, dominate territory, Um, and, uh, Rangnick was kind of like the godfather of this movement. So when you see guys like Jurgen Klopp do really well, who kind of really made it more like popular to do it, um, it really all started with Rangnick's kind of theories. And then eventually we got into management doing that kind of stuff. So yeah, he actually hasn't been a manager for a while. Um, he was a sporting record at the Red Bull clubs. So the team in New York, um, RB Salzburg, which is in the Austrian league and then RB Leipzig, which is in in the Bundesliga. (laughs) And if you look at some of his influence, um, they all those teams have a trademark tactical style. They are super aggressive. They press like crazy. Um, RB Leipzig is, I think, uh, second in the Bundesliga as far as their pressing intensity. Uh, Marco Roll- Rose, who is the manager at Dortmund and kind of a disciple of Rangnick, uh, has his team third in terms of their pressing intensity. Um, <laughs> Salzburg is one of the most aggressive teams they were under Jesse Marsh, who is now actually at Leipzig. Um, They are one of the most aggressive teams in the champions league. They constantly are pressing uh, much more talented, much bigger clubs like real Madrid. I mean, they, they almost made it out of the group last year because of it. So this style is going to be intense and it's going to be quite a switch from where United is at. Now United is currently 16th in the premier league and passes per defensive action, which is like, the metric that kind of shows you how intense you are at pressing an opponent, pressuring an opponent. So this is going to be like a really massive departure. And on top of that, Regnick is a really thorough guy. So, you know, when you probably heard tales of, you know, former Arsenal manager, Arsene Wenger, who came in, you know, trained, uh, you know, worked on players' diets and things like that. Rankings are the same mold. Like he used to take, he used to draw blood and do saliva tests before RB likes see teams would play to get data for sports performance guys. He has a, 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 a discipline wheel, which if a player commits an infraction, like they leave their phone on during a meeting or they get caught on their phone during a meeting or come late, stuff like that, they spin the wheel and it has basically different things that they have to do in their off hours. Uh, one of those things is mowing the pitch so I look very much towards Ronaldo checking his Instagram in a meeting to see who's DMing him, writing to catching him, and then we get us getting pictures of Ronaldo then mowing the grass at Old Trafford. That would be outstanding. Um, but he's going to top down. He's going to change the whole structure of this club. He's going to be an interim manager for six months. Um, my question is when you're getting this big of a stylistic change. So we've talked about how United is very passive. And Ragnick's style is to bring the super aggressive, super intense pressing approach. There are two big questions that go into that. How do you implement that during the busiest stretch of the time in the Premier League? And how does Ronaldo, who treats defense as optional, fit into those plans? And then where does that leave his relationship with United? If Ragnick basically says, fuck you, dude, like I am going to play someone that's actually going to run around on the pitch and not just try to score. So it's going to be interesting. I, I think it's, it's going to be fun. It'll make United less of a kind of blah dumpster fire and into at least like a morbid curiosity kind of thing. Um, I don't know how it'll work out, but I think it'll be an exciting ride to wherever the end ends up being.
0: Yeah, I mean, for fans of narrative, the Ronaldo-Ragnick pairing is going to be, you know, chef's kiss. It's going to be so much fun to follow. You know, I didn't even know they mowed the grass at Manchester United. I'm glad they do. It gives David De Gea something a little soft to lay down on. (laughs) Hopefully he won't do it in the middle of open play and let in another goal like he did today in arsenal. But I'm glad he's going to be comfortable. (laughs) Uh, So now we know what to expect from from his managerial time at Manchester United. What should we expect from this week's game?
1: Uh, I mean, honestly, the thing with this match is, um, you know, Patrick Vieira has has come over from uh, Nice and he's done a pretty good job with Palace. And part of it is, you know, their signs like Connor Gallagher have done pretty well. Uh, Connor's not the only one that's helped them. So it's not just him. S- settle down here for that. Um, but no, Palace actually has the fourth best um, defense in the Premier League as far as letting in goals from open play or, or letting in chances from open play. Um, it kind of goes under the radar. Like we, you know, you look at teams that you typically think would be some of the better teams in premier league and seeing palace up there is kind of shocking. Um, and I think that's a pretty big thing going into this, this midweek thing. Um, palace played on Tuesday, United played today, Thursday, when we're recording and the match is going to turn around and be played on Sunday. So palace is going to have a couple of extra days of rest. And I think this is going to be a pretty ugly, low scoring game. And, you know, I'm still not super confident that like United doesn't shoot themselves in the foot. So there's definitely a chance for palace naked goals that draw plus 300, I think plays out pretty well. And that's where I think the best play for your money is as far as the spread goes.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, every time that there's a new manager, there always seems to be at least one or two players that benefit more than anybody else. And I think for Manchester United, it's going to be Sancho. So I'm going to take him plus two thirty as a anytime goal scorer. So much energy, had multiple hockey assists today. They're finally deploying him. Spend all that money to buy one of the best young attackers of the world and then get managers that actually play him. It's amazing uh, how that works out for them. He's making really dangerous runs, and I think he's going to want to impress the new manager. And he comes from the Dortmund system, so I think he's going to be very comfortable right away. So I don't know if he will score in this game, but I like the 230. And I like him a lot moving forward. If I could go long on Sancho and short Ronaldo over the rest of the year, if there was a way to do that, I absolutely would be doing it.
1: You hear that, Betty? Markets make it happen for our guy here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. You're picking someone to score. I'm picking both teams not to. Uh, I think that under uh, two and a half, three goals at, at minus 120 looks pretty appealing. Um, you know, I kind of went over Palace's defensive bona fides. I, you know, United is probably going to rotate their squad. We still don't know what to expect. I mean, Rangnick is literally going to be coaching his first match with like no prep time. Um, So it's hard to be like, you know, for him to install any predetermined attacking patterns or anything like that. And they scored three goals against Arsenal. They nicked one against Chelsea's impenetrable defense. But as we talked about with the Chelsea one, kind of a fluke. The three goals against Arsenal... One came via penalty, which are pretty random and not something that you can count on going forward. So I just don't see this being any kind of shootout. Um, I think, you know, 1-0 United, 1-1, those are pretty solid ranges and take up a lot of the uh, possible outcomes for this match. So I kind of like that under.
0: All right. All right. Last game of uh, the weekend. And this one doesn't happen until Monday. It's everton at 14th in the table, 15 points. At Arsenal, or I'm sorry, versus Arsenal, 5th in the table, 23 points. It's Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Everton is plus 240. The draw is plus 265. Arsenal is plus 115. The spread, uh, given Everton a half a goal, Everton moves up to minus 130 and Arsenal stays at plus 115. Uh, so, Brett, I see two bad teams here, not just one, but one is definitely less bad. So I'm going to go with Arsenal on plus 115. I know last time we talked, you actually took Newcastle against Arsenal. So I don't think you have a whole lot of respect for them. And you are an Everton fan. So as an Everton fan, are you afraid of Arsenal at all in this game?
1: I was trying to figure out a way to get that scrubbed from the internet, but it turns out that that's really hard to do. Um, If anybody (laughs) knows hard, please DM me. Um, No, I mean – So Arsenal are a little bit weird. Uh, You know, I've mentioned over the first couple podcasts, you know, kind of in passing, the the constant thing has been Arsenal are outperforming their underlying numbers. Um, And there's a lot of uh, kind of look at the fact that a lot of both their traditional gold differential and their advanced data seems to be skewed by the fact that they just basically got their asses beat by the three best teams in the Premier League. And so you would think that, you know, those are outlier performances and maybe just maybe when you strip those numbers down, you have a great arsenal team, right? Because if you do that, you actually get an arsenal team whose real goal differential would be plus eight, which would be tied for fourth in the premier league. And then their expected goal difference would be plus five, which would be solo fourth in the premier league, right behind the three teams that beat the shit out of them. But the thing is, uh, we have very smart people that work in the public spot soccer space. One of them is named Michael Kelly, who kind of did a study basically saying that, you know, looking at teams that have similar profiles to Arsenal, that if you take away outlier performances, you know, do, does it show that they maybe can cheat like things like expected goal data, which is pretty, pretty accurate as far as like predicting into future results. And the, the thing is, is that it really doesn't change much. So when you strip out good and bad performances and, and focus more on like the meat of their performances, it all still points to Arsenal being a pretty average team. Um, you know, maybe they're slightly above average, maybe they're slightly below, but it's not like this is a top four team in hiding that just got, you know, unlucky against some really good clubs or they do something stylistically that good clubs take advantage of, but allows them to you know roll over the bad teams. So like you said, what's really going on here is there's two really mediocre teams that are playing each other. And it's going to just kind of be determined by the fact that both these teams are pretty below average defensively, pretty average in attack. So I don't see a whole lot separating them, which is why I'm going to actually take another draw and I'm going to go with uh, the plus two thirty five line for the draw. I think one, one is a massive range of this score line potential score line coming up. And both these teams, there's just no case to be made that one clearly has some type of advantage over the other. Um, and especially with the fact that Everton is at home. So that draw at plus 235, that's where I'm sticking my cash.
0: All right. Plus, Arsenal has uh, our future podcast sponsor, Aaron Ramsdale, and Everton doesn't. So. Yeah, and, and Aaron, That's no, if if you, is about if, the only other thing that separates them.
1: Yeah, Aaron, if if you are listening to this and you are willing to sponsor this podcast... Uh if there was a line for you to have five plus saves, I would
0: take it. <laughs> uh all right, for my prop, I'm going under four and a half corners in the first half at plus one fifteen. Uh neither of us are expecting a cracking game here, it sounds like. And I don't think either of these teams are creative and forward enough to generate a ton of corners. Uh and it feels like they regularly end the game with four or less on both sides. So I think the first half is going to be a real damn squid and i like to get the plus odds on taking the half line on the under on corners rather than having to lay juice on the full game total. So that's where I'm going to lay my wood this week.
1: Yeah. I mean, and and it kind of fits into how both these teams play. Arsenal play this really passive, slow possession style and Everton are just going to sit back and they're going to stay compact and they're going to give up the ball. But the difference between like, a Liverpool team that trashed him midweek and a city team that beat Everton recently is Arsenal does not have star players to play a slow possession style and then still create a bunch of chances or put a bunch of pressure on the opponent's goal. So yeah, I love the corner pick. I think that's great. Um, I'm going to go a little bit different direction and because I kind of talked about one, one being a huge range uh, for this match, I like both teams to score, but the, under of two and a half goals at plus five twenty five, I think just given the fact that I can't trust either of these teams to keep a clean sheet. I mean, Aaron Ramsdale, I know you're going to try your best to do it for us, man. And, and you're great and you're going to get real close, but I do think both teams are probably, you know, going to score. I could see Everton getting one on a counter attack. Arsenal getting one just because they have constant pressure in the Ever- Everton defensive third. Um, So that plus 25 for both teams to score, but the under two and a half goals is a good line to me.
0: All right. That brings us to the last segment of each week, which is, of course, our five pint pickoff. This time, before we jump into the into the picture this week, going to recap November because we are now in December. So, Brett, um, uh, remind me who won. Uh, well,
1: you're you're gonna get your case of Milwaukee's best in just a second. There's gonna be a knock on the door from the hotel manager. He's gonna come and drop it off for you. So <laughs> enjoy your winnings. Buddy. So i
0: I did take it down uh, in our first month doing it, and we only had two weeks in the month. So I turned ten pints into sixteen, uh, Brett, because he did not get a miracle goal from a defender. <laughs> He did he did win with Liverpool in the clean sheet though, so he took his 10 and turned it into nine and a half. Um I took 16 beers and turned them into zero last night, which is why I sound like this. <laughs> so, so heading into the new week, we have um for my five-pint pickoff, I'm gonna take James Sancho at plus two thirty anytime goal scorer for one pint. I'm going to take both teams uh not to score in West Ham Chelsea for a pint. Minus 120. I'm going to take Manchester City to win from behind at plus 650 as my long shot bet this week at one pint. And then uh, I'm going with a money line Parlay. Man City, Man United, and Liverpool all to win plus 158 is two pints. So either I'm going to take an early lead in December or I'm going to be really happy that one of those teams dropped points. I think I'm going to win either way. Uh, I, what are you playing this week? I right?
1: appreciate the charity on the Watford pick because as uh, we'll find out as this pod goes on. Watford is going to do one good thing for us, and I already have that one. I we already got that one from. Them. <laughs> so thank you for just basically wasting a pint right there. Uh, for me though, I'm going to go. I'm going to take that plus five twenty five line that we just talked about in the Arsenal Everton game uh, for one pint. I think, like I said, that that range, that one one score line, just looks too appealing to me. Uh, then I'm going to go with another kind of long shot odds when I'm going to take the draw and the Palace United at plus three hundred for one. And then I'm going to rely on a good team to do a good thing. Liverpool plus 135, three pints for a clean sheet and a win. Please don't start Tyler Morton, Klopp. Just start a normal <laughs>
0: midfield. <laughs> yeah. That one sounds really familiar. You're going right back to the well. It worked for you though. Yeah, it was your, see, best a, was say, your best bet last week. I was going to say the only thing morning.
1: I did well last week. <laughs>
0: Well, you did a lot of things well this week, Brett. Thank you for carrying the show. We appreciate everyone bearing with you as I deal with my personal technical difficulties. Um, And I hope you'll come back next week as we continue to play our interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Enjoy the games, everyone. This is Fred signing off.